States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. 
we declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. And you may be seated. Okay, we are going to get into some announcements here. We got some exciting things coming up, and uh, I want to make sure that everybody gets to be involved here. So, this coming Sunday night is going to be our church family barbecue. Amen. Six man. Real excited, and uh, it's kind of a, a dual purpose event because we're also celebrating Pastor's birthday, my dad, amen, and so we're going to have a wonderful time, great big birthday cake, uh, there has been a sign-up sheet for the food, and I think uh, if you if, there, if you haven't signed up but want to, maybe you can see Renee back there, because I think we, pr we pretty much have most of what we need, okay, alright, amen, but if you still want to get involved, just let her know, uh, because there's always, hey, the more the better, amen. <laughs> And uh, we're also, uh, Billy Braun from Billy's Kitchen is bringing her snow cone machine. So free snow cones for everybody. Yeah. And so uh, we also want to tell you, dress nice and cool and casual. It is going to be a little bit warm that day if you haven't seen the forecast. So uh, we're just going to have a cool night together, fellowship and loving on each other and celebrating the goodness of God. Amen. I'm really excited about uh, Sunday night. And it's going to be here at the church, right? And then baptisms are coming up on Sunday, July the 30th. Amen. And uh, we're going to be doing it at both services. Uh, I saw the sign-up sheet back there. We've already filled up the whole sheet. So, um, Heather, we need another sheet. Uh, you know, sometime soon, but there's 15 names on there. We want to fill up another sheet. Amen. So isn't that good news? 15 people getting baptized. We love it. And, uh, and so we're just uh, celebrating all that the Lord is doing right there. And then, um, Alex Church, my man in charge of our media department. Uh, well, you didn't know this. He's also in a Christian rock band. Amen. He plays a little bass guitar. Well, they're going to be, uh, at a Christian music festival at the Atalanto Stadium where the High Desert Mavericks used to play at 5 p.m. on July 29th. So if you want to go rock out for Jesus and, uh, and support Alex and his band, then, uh, that'll be that night. Amen. And then here we go. You've been asking. And here is the official announcement. The High Desert Word Center pool party is Friday, August the 4th, 6 to 9 p.m. Who's going to be there? Amen. All right. So uh, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Henderson Pool. We've already got it rented and all that fun stuff. Uh, last year, they only let us have 100 people. We talked them into 125 this year. So hallelujah. But hey, those will fill up. I think they're going to be having a, a registration form uh, so we can get a good head count. Um, and so anyway, uh, just get that filled out. We're going to have a super fun time. Last year was an absolute blast. And so I encourage you, man, you know, get involved. Get connected to the church family. There is zero reason that anybody here should be bored or say that they they don't have any friends. We are giving you tons of chances to connect with other people. You've got no excuse to uh, be lonely and not connected to others. And these are quality people. I mean, you've got good people like Amy right there. This is a quality person, right? Uh, and someone like, like Raymond uh, and, and Alexa. These are good people, everybody. We've even got Nikki and, uh, well, you know, Greg's okay. But I'm just saying, like, you know, there's decent people in our midst. I'm kidding. Greg's 
the best guy in the world, right? So, uh, anyway, <laughs> but really, get connected to the family, man. We love you, and we're giving as many, we're just trying to make opportunities for fellowship and giving you quality uh, people to hang around with. Does that sound like a pretty good thing right there, everybody? Amen. All right, well, I think that's all the announcements for tonight. So, who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time, and that means that it's time for our tithes and offerings, because God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope for your tithes and offerings, raise your hand. The answers will get you one. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew 6. Amen. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Let's do it in the New King James, shall we? Matthew 6 and verse 33 in the New King James. In a familiar verse, but hey, sometimes, you know, we think, well, I've heard that verse a thousand times. Hey, that doesn't matter. We need to consistently get everything we can out of these verses. And, and the more that you hear the verse, the more we should get this in our heart. And so, but tell us right here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Does that sound like a suggestion? Like, it may be a good idea if you make the kingdom of God a no, I mean, that sounds like a command right there. Seek first, not seek when it's convenient, not seek third, fourth, fifth, sixth. No, number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things that you need shall be added unto you. They'll be added unto you. They'll be given to you by our heavenly Father. And so as we seek first the kingdom, there's a whole lot of stuff that that would entail. But I would say at the top of that list would be obeying the word of God. When I'm obeying his word, I'm seeking his kingdom. And undeniably, the word tells us to tithe and give offerings. And so that is all included in this, seeking first the kingdom. And we know that our God is so good. When we obey him, he makes sure that we've got everything we need. Who can testify to that tonight? Amen. That he always takes care of you. He always brings you through. He is good, isn't he? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings tonight. And always remember that these are words of faith. This isn't just something we do. We do this by faith and we watch the Lord get involved in our finances. It's beautiful. Let's say it together. As we bring the Lord's tithe to give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar for worship tonight.
Trust in Jesus' name. 
singing that he's the cornerstone of our life and the cornerstone i mean your life has a foundation to it and and some people you know don't have the right foundation but if jesus is the foundation then no matter what storm comes still good man we're still standing and the cornerstone being the most important one every other part of the foundation is all supposed to be lined up with that cornerstone it it sets the tone it it sets how the rest of life is supposed to be for us and jesus amen we're singing it but it's got to be true in your life it can't just be words we're singing he is the cornerstone of our life and because of that reason right there we can withstand anything that comes our way and be we will be okay amen because of jesus so lord we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness your mercy your faithfulness lord you every single day are there for us every single day lord you you had planned before we were ever even born according to psalm 139 and so lord we know you've got good plans for us plans to give us a hope and a future lord and to take care of us and so i pray tonight that as we open up the word of god and and come before you that we would be doers of your word lord so we can walk in that blessing and do everything that you've called us to do we love you and we praise you in the name of jesus we say it tonight amen hallelujah can you give somebody a a handshake or a high five or a, a hug or something on your way to your seat there Amen. There you go. Don't get out of hand now. I, I said like a, some, some people are doing both arms. I didn't say that. I meant like a, a anyway. All right. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, I love you. Amen. All right. Who's ready to get into the word of God together tonight? Amen. Well, who knows what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights? 
The fruit of the Spirit. Amen. All right. <laughs> love you. Love you. Hey, you know, hey, you know, we got two series going simultaneously right now, so it's a lot to keep up with. But on Wednesday nights, we are doing a summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. And man, it's been a good time so far. Uh, we made it through love, joy, and peace. So tonight we're going to be on part four. Who knows what the fourth one is? Patience. Amen. All right. <laughs> Patience. All right. Very good. Long suffering, patience. Amen. And so, uh, uh, but you know, just to review a little, well, let's, let's look, go to our verses, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And as we're going there, we'll do a little bit of review. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 and the fruit of the spirit. Uh, this is what your life looks like. If you are born again and you are submitted to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is having his way in your life. This is the picture of what your life is going to look like. Now we saw, if, if you were to go to the previous verses, it shows you what uh, the life looks like to somebody that is uh, controlled by their sinful nature, or, or it actually calls it the lust of the flesh. And, uh, and so when your flesh dominates you, when you let your emotions and your, uh, your, your mind and your body dominate you, there's a whole list of that sort of fruit, but that's not what we're interested in. We're interested in the fruit that takes place when the Holy Spirit is guiding your life and when you're submitted to him. And so Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. And so there's nine things listed right there. And we keep saying this every single week, but I think that it's worth repeating. If somebody were to describe your life in nine words, the most ideal scenario is they would choose these nine words. So if we said, hey, describe Dave McNeil in nine words, and they'd say, well, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness. I mean, that would just be the dream scenario if that is, uh, is, is the nine words that they use to describe your life. And we know that uh, fruit, it grows, right? We, I'm just playing a rewind right, you know, review right here, but fruit grows. And so we look at some of these and we're like, man, I, I'm not fully uh, arrived in this area yet. Well, none of us are, but at the same time, uh, we're not making excuses. We may not be fully there we'll never be perfect in it, but we should be growing. Amen. So your patience level should be better than it was a year ago. Who feels like it is? All right. Yeah. Amen. I'll take that. That's pretty good. And so it should be better than it was a year ago. And patience uh, is a fruit of the spirit. It's a characteristic that every born again Christian should have. We should all be patient people just as much as we should be known by our love. That's the biggest thing. According to Jesus in John 13, people should be able to say, you know what? That Irma McNeil, she is just one patient woman. I'll tell you that right now, man. Why? Because that is the fruit of the spirit. That's proof that you're a Christian. You should be known by your patience. And I heard, you know, somebody say that in America, we're always in a hurry. Have you known that? I mean, you know, we, we want it, but we want it right now. And so the prayer of the modern day American is, dear God, I pray for patience and I want it right now. 
Amen. <laughs> and that shouldn't be the case. Amen. And so we're working on it, but we're going to talk about patience a little bit tonight. And I believe that the Lord's going to speak to you because patience isn't just some cute topic. Uh, patience, uh, yeah, I, I feel this gets overlooked. I really feel like people overlook the topic of patience. You know, we love to talk about faith. We love to talk about healing and miracles around here. But I feel like patience just sometimes doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And, uh, and patience, when we begin to uh, really develop this in our lives, this fruit, when we begin to really tap in to the gift of patience that God has given us, it can really have a domino effect and really change a lot of other areas of your life. Because as we'll see in some of these verses, this fruit, it's all connected. It all works together. Love is very connected to patience. And faith isn't a gift of, of, of fruit of the Spirit, but it is. faith is very connected to patience as well, as uh, we see in some other New Testament references. So we're going to dig into patience tonight, but patience could totally change your life in a really, really good way, all right? So we're going to talk about three areas to have patience with tonight, and the first one should be highly obvious. Uh, number one, we need to be patient with others, amen? Patient with others. Have you ever noticed that other people are annoying? You're not, you're not annoying, but they are, right? It's not you, it's them. And they need, until they learn that, though, we're going to have to learn to be patient with them until they get to our level. And, uh, and, and you know what? That takes some time for some of them. And so, uh, as I said a minute ago, the fruit of the Spirit, it all ties in together. They're all connected. And so for our first verse on patience tonight, we're actually going to look at the love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And you're like, why would we turn there for patience? Well, if you know 1 Corinthians 13, 4, then you, you already know what I'm talking about. But 1 Corinthians 13, and no doubt about it, the verses 4 through 8 are, I mean, just the some of the biggest verses regarding love in the Bible. But I want to point something out here that, you know, it's on the screen so you know it. But 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. And this is giving us literally God's definition of love. And so, again, I say this all the time, modern day people make up their own fruity definitions of love because they watch Hallmark movies and other things. And so they think, you know, that it's whatever, but, you know, that, that's a bunch of nonsense. We're talking about God's definition of love, not some romance story somewhere. And so here it is. Literally, the very first descriptive word that it uses for love is this. Love is patient. Yeah. And then it goes on, and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And then it goes into a lot of other things. But literally, the number one word out of all of those that the Bible connects to love right here is patient. And so there is no way that we can properly walk in the love of God without being patient. And so to love other people God's way, patience has to be a high priority in our lives. Now, how many of you think that God has had to be pretty patient with you on occasion? 
I mean, let's just get real. <laughs> I know me, and I know that there's times that God's had to wait a little while for me to get some things together. He's had to be patient with me, but we are told continually in Scripture that we are to love as he has loved us. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. And if I'm going to love other people the way that God loves me, I'm going to have to be patient with them. And sometimes this can really try us. And even sometimes, there we go, sometimes we can, uh, the people that are the very closest to us uh, can be some of the people that try our patience the most. Anyone else notice that? Are you married? Do you have kids? Anybody? Okay. Is it just me, or maybe maybe it's me? But I, I heard a story about a man who stopped in the grocery store on the way home from work one night to pick up a couple of items for his wife. And as he was shopping in the store, he kept passing a young dad uh, that was pushing his little three-year-old in the cart. The kid was throwing fits and just being, you know, really, really bad. So the first time they passed, uh, the three-year-old was asking over and over again for a candy bar. Well, our observer. Uh, couldn't hear the entire conversation, but he heard the dad say, Billy, this won't take long. It's okay. And as they passed it in the next aisle, the three-year-old was even louder at this point. And, and the dad was quietly saying, Billy, calm down. This will all be over in just a minute. Okay, we're going to get through this. And when, when they passed near the milk section, the kid was uncontrollably screaming and throwing a tantrum. But this young dad was still keeping his cool. And in a very very low, calm voice. He was saying, Billy, settle down. We're almost out of here. This will all be over really soon. And so uh, finally they made it through the store and, and the dad's loading the, the kid into the car. And the, the, the man that was observing all this walks up and says, I just want to tip my hat to you. You are the most patient man. And it was incredible how you spoke to little Billy in there. And he's like, <laughs> you don't get it. I'm Billy. <laughs> and so, amen. I know that all of us parents can relate to this scenario. Am I right? Have the children ever tested your patience? Well, I know this much that a lot of us have been on the parental end of things, but let's get real. Some of us have been that kid in the cart too. Amen. Was that at some point? And, and the crazier part is sometimes we've been kid in the cart and we weren't a three-year-old. You know, we were a 35-year-old or something and we're still throwing some fits when things don't go our way. But the Lord is rich in love. He is slow to anger and he is really, really patient with us. And, and so when we're trying to be patient with other people, listen to me, it's helpful to remember where we used to be. Amen. When someone's just, you know, like, man, why don't they get it? Why won't they just change? Why don't you stop and remember for a minute where you used to be? You didn't used to be perfect like you are right now, right? I mean, you, I mean, we get it. You're perfect now, but you didn't used to be. You grew to this level of perfection. And before you got there, I mean, you may have been a hot mess too, but the Lord was patient with you. At one point, we were all that kid. And we've all had moments of immaturity as adults. And we've all had rough days as adults where we weren't really being our best self. And so... We need to be patient with others because God's been patient with us. I want to show you one other verse on this point, and it's Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Amen? Colossians 3, 
verses 12 through 13. Are we getting anything tonight? Amen. And these are some really, really important verses that I refer to a lot, uh, usually regarding the topic of love and forgiveness. But Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 Here it goes, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He said, hey, you've got to not only be these things, you've got to clothe yourselves with, with, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You're to be clothed in patience. That's a pretty big statement right there. Do we need to print out t-shirts that just say patience on them? Maybe they just say patient. That would confuse people. They think you escaped from the hospital or something. Patient. <laughs> Well, get him, get him. No, no, but, but, but we're to be clothed in patience. Look at this verse 13. This is a verse I use a lot. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive some of the people who offends you. I misquoted the word. Someone should have caught. Listen, forgive anybody who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And so as we are being patient with others, we are to be as patient with them as the Lord has been with us. The level of patience that God has shown to us is the level that we are to show to other people. And I mean, again, you think, well, that's not very fun. This will change your life because it has a chain reaction to so many other areas for you. All right. And so number two, I'm going to say this. Patient with others. Number two, we got to be patient with ourselves. And I'm going to explain this. We got to be patient with ourselves. Now, there is a fine line between being too easy on yourself and being too hard on yourself. And, uh, you know, you need to hold yourself accountable and not excuse sin or bad behavior. Like, you know, if you're still out there punching people in the face, you know, I'm, I'm going to get over this someday. Just be patient with me. Like, stop it. Get some help. All right. Stop it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just because uh, you, 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 you can't beat yourself up over the head every day and be angry that you aren't all the way there and you haven't arrived at the top of the ladder just yet too. Do you get what I'm saying? And so when we say be patient with ourselves, we're not saying we're making excuses for uh, willfully, uh, intentionally sinning. That's not saying that, but it's also saying I realize that I haven't fully arrived yet and I will never fully arrive, that I am a work in progress. One thing that Dave Ramsey talks about is how when young people are getting started in life, they assume that they're instantly going to have the same status as their parents and other seasoned adults have. I, you know, you see this all the time. And, and so they'll go and get into debt uh, to try to get things that their parents worked their entire life for. You say you don't have to, but it's the absolute truth. And so you do not need to start out at 18 years old with a $100,000 sports car. 
For one, you're probably going to kill yourself. But for two, uh, that's foolish. You can't afford that unless you're like, you know, well, some kid from Pastor Katie's high school, I saw this week, some kid that I don't think her family even knows of, was the number three draft in the major league uh, baseball draft. This He skipped call Number three kid. He's going to be worth like $500 million. I'm like, my gosh. Now, if you're him, you can go get a $100,000 sports car. For the rest of the 18-year-olds, no. All right? Why? Because that's, you know, that, that's a bad idea. And you can't afford it. But I remember uh, when Pastor Katie and I first got married, uh, we'd go hang out with her parents and, and some of their friends that were well off. And, man, I, I feel like such a loser. They'd take us to, like, some restaurant or something. I mean, I couldn't pay. <laughs> so they'd pay, and you'd think that I'd be thrilled about that. But I felt like a loser. I couldn't afford to be there. And I didn't want to rely on other people paying my way through life. And they had nice cars. I remember one of their friends was a really wealthy man, and he had this little two seater sports car and 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 they had this big old house and I'm like and here I am 19 years old and, and and two months and uh and living in an apartment I just couldn't it just didn't seem fair at all well first of all <laughs> it took this guy like 45 years to get there right and I'm comparing his 45 years of work to my two months of work and 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 getting down on myself and feeling like a real loser and and listen don't do that be patient I'm a lot further along now in my 30s than I was at 19. I have more things and, and, and that's nice and uh, I'm a, you know, m- more mature and whatnot, but I'm not, fo- I don't have everything, right? I, I'm still aiming at stuff, but it's foolish. You, you, can, you need to recognize where you're at in life right now. And, and don't compare yourself if you're 18, 19, 20, if you're 30, to somebody that's worked their tail end off for 50 years and now they've got a lot of really nice stuff. Well, hey, Work your way there, and you can have it too. That's a popular topic. Hey, I was, uh, I was, um, I heard a story from Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, this was just last year, but he was telling this story. It was to me, it's hilarious. His son comes up to him, is like, "Hey, Dad, we're rich, huh?" And Shaq goes, "We're not rich. I'm rich." <laughs> I'm a billionaire. Yes, I'm super rich. You're not rich. I am. And I thought that was hilarious. And then he went on to say, like, his, yeah, I mean, the guy is loaded. Uh, his house in Miami is like 64,000 square feet. This is a man that is rich beyond anything most of us can imagine. But at the same time, I, I kind of appreciate where he's coming from. He's like, I'll help my kids out. He told a story about, he's like, okay, son, I'll help you with part of paying for your first car. So they go to the car dealerships and, and the kid goes and, you know, to the $100,000 sports car. He's like, no. He walks him over to a Kia. He's like, I'll pay for half of this. I'm like, you're a billionaire. What? That's not fair. And I'm like, man, I got a lot of respect for Shaq right now. This is incredible. He talked about another one of his kids said, dad, I've got a business idea. I need you to invest this amount into it. He's like, you know what? There's a great chance that I'll do that. Put together a presentation, call my people, schedule an appointment, and I'll let you make a presentation and we'll talk about it. And you're going to go through the same process as everyone else. What does that sound, you know, to some people it's like, well, he's mean. No, the man has provided for his children. I mean, uh, uh, all of the father's resources are available to his heirs. But I appreciate the lesson that the man's teaching his kids. It's just because your dad is rich, you still have to work hard too and make something out of your life. 
People that are handed everything appreciate nothing. We're talking about patience tonight. Shut up, man. No, listen. No, no, we are talking about patience. People that are handed everything don't appreciate anything, and they're usually the most impatient people in the world. And I love what a billionaire man is teaching teaching people right here. And it's like, yeah, and, and I know this, as a Christian... My heavenly father is more than a billionaire, people. You know, the Bible, the the King James phraseology is that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And for us, we're like, okay, that's cool. But what that's saying is he is richer than anything you could ever even understand. My father's got it all. Amen. But I'm grateful that he doesn't just, there it is. Because in my life, I've been too stupid to handle that. And I'd go do something really dumb and hurt myself. And so he gives us, uh, because of his great love, he gives us the opportunity to develop our faith and our patience and to live our lives by faith. The Bible time and time and time again says, the just shall live by faith. Righteous people live their lives by faith. And I'm just telling you now, I know we're very positive people around here. The most positive people I've ever met in my life are in this room. But we also need to know that God does you a great favor when he doesn't just instantly... And he, and you gotta, you gotta study some scriptures for yourself. You've gotta pray on your own sometimes. You've gotta get on your knees and fight the good fight of faith sometimes. And it's not just instant. That is a bigger blessing than you'll ever know. And you don't have, that's fine. Now, Abraham Lincoln, you know, we look at him, I mean, uh, hey, here's a successful man. Uh, he didn't start out on top though. Uh, and you know, in fact, he was, uh, born in Kentucky, raised in Indiana, and we went to this little town where he was, where he was raised, and they've got the log cabin and everything there. It's, it's a really cool thing to see. And then as an adult, he moved to Illinois, so Illinois claims him, but I think really he belongs to the state of Indiana. Anyway. And so, but, uh, but, but he didn't just start out on top. He had to have some serious patience with himself as he overcame decades of taking the big L, all right? He took some losses. And so here's his resume prior to winning the presidency. In 1832, he lost his job. So uh, that same year in 1832, he ran for the state Senate and lost the election. In 1833, he started a business, and the business failed within a year and closed down. In 1834, he ran for the state senate and actually won this time, but in 1835, his fiance died, so in 1836, he had a nervous mental breakdown and completely went AWOL and actually spent a lot of time out in the woods. Anyway, and so, uh, 1838, uh, he ran for speaker of the, of the house in Illinois and lost again, and so, in 1843, uh, he ran for the U.S. Senate, or excuse me, Congress, and lost. Uh, in 1846, ran again, was elected, but then in 1848, ran for re-election and lost again. And so, in 1849, he ran for the office of land officer and uh, didn't even make it onto the ballot, was rejected before he got to the ballot. 1854, defeated as he ran for the U.S. Senate. And 1856, defeated uh, for the nomination of vice president. 1858, ran for Senate again, lost. And then finally, in 1860, ran for president of the United States and won the election. Let's hear it for Abe. Amen. 
Good old Honest Abe. Now, the thing about Honest Abe is a lot of people probably would have said, listen, Abe, sit down. We need to talk. This just isn't your thing, okay? Uh, you lose a lot, and this just isn't working out. And, 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 and listen, a lot of people could have said that, but the man was patient with himself. Amen? And, and, and I think that a lot of times, again, there's a fine line, you know, but he clearly knew where that was, and I think we should all be grateful that he ran for president and won. Because I love the man, he did a really, really good job. And so, a verse, I've used this verse a lot lately in so many sermons, but Galatians 6, 9, I want you to see it again. Galatians 6, 9, we've used this verse so much, but you need, you need to get this. Galatians 6, in verse 9. Now, we'll read it in the NLT, Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Why? At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. No, the King James says, do not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But notice it says right here, don't get tired, don't be weary in doing Good. And so if you're doing what is good, what is right, God can bless you for that. Don't give up. Now, if you're not doing what is good and right, then, you know, you need to stop that. So God can bless you and you can get on the right track. Amen. But if we're doing the right thing, I mean, you're in here, you're in church, you're reading the Bible every day, you're praying, you're being a doer of the word, you're loving your neighbor, you're, you're, you're doing this stuff, man. Even if it seems like, well, I'm not just not, I'm not there yet. Well, keep doing it. Don't give up because in due season, it's going to happen. Abraham Lincoln kept losing and losing, but he didn't, you know, he was doing the right thing. And in due season, he reaped the harvest. And that's the same thing for us. And so sometimes we got to be patient with others. Sometimes we got to be patient with ourselves. And then number three, it's this. Sometimes we got to be patient with God. And I'm going to talk about this uh, because I, I, I want to say it this way. Understand right now that when I say being patient with God, it's not being patient as we're waiting for him to get his act together because he's just, uh, no, no, no. God is never late. Amen. Say that. God is never late. Now say this. God is never wrong. Amen. And so I'm telling you right now that sometimes if, if something hasn't happened just yet, well, there could be a reason. And, and I'll, you know, it could be the, on the faith end of things where maybe we aren't in faith like we need to be. There's that. But also maybe we are in faith and something hasn't happened yet. And I'm telling you, sometimes there is a, a, it's a phrase we use called divine delays where the answer's coming, the blessing's coming, but maybe God's holding back on getting it to you just yet for a reason. I heard one preacher telling a story. He was, you know, he was in a hurry to, to get on his airplane in Philadelphia. He got to the airport, got there, and he gets there like, there's going to be a delay. Uh, you know, we can't go into it right now, but 30 minute delay. So he's like, fine. So another half an hour later, hey, uh, we're going to extend this delay another half an hour. And then they just kept extending the delay and him and everybody else is getting impatient. So finally, hours later, they board the plane and they get on there and the pilot's like, thank you for your patience. 
engines. We had a major malfunction with the landing gear. And if we had taken off in this thing, we never would have been able to land on the ground. And it, it would have, you know, it just wouldn't have turned out good. So thank you, everybody. And the preacher's like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm not mad about the delay now. In hindsight, I'm thankful for the delay because the delay, uh, that was the time period that things were getting worked on and set up for me to land safely in my destination. And sometimes you're like, man, what's taking so long? It should have happened yesterday. I'm in faith and sure enough you are. I'm doing the right thing and sure enough you are. But maybe there's some things just getting worked out so you can arrive where you need to arrive safely. Does that make any sense to us tonight? And so sometimes delays are divine delays and God is working behind the scenes. He's working beneath the surface to set you up for success. Now I want you to flip over to John chapter 13. John 13. Kind of an interesting verse. But in John 13... We've got this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And as he's washing the disciples' feet, Peter yells at him, No! You're not washing my feet! And, and you know, again, we're in our culture, like, this is so weird. And I, I have, you know, sometimes people have done the foot washing ceremony to me. Not my personal thing, but I get the symbolism of it, all right? And so, uh, and so, in, in, in this culture, though, everyone's walking around barefooted and sandals across the sand and, and through the mud and, and, and through the bugs and everything else. And, and so, uh, you know, people that were well enough to do, they would have somebody, a servant or somebody there that their only job was to wash feet. You know, who would like that to be your, you know, job? I, that's not exactly, that's not at the top of the ladder. This is the entry level position. And so when Jesus... The king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father shows up and he's like, boys, sit down. I'm washing your feet tonight. I mean, some of the guys just went along with it, but Peter being a lot, he's like, absolutely not. No, you are not washing my feet. And then Jesus goes on and say, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you don't belong, even belong to me. And Peter's like, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Just dump the whole thing over my entire body because I want to belong to you. But Jesus says something really important. And, and John 13 and, and verse 7, and, and we have this verse that, you know, um, I don't, I believe that this applies to a lot of areas in our life, not just Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. I believe that that we could grab this verse and really see where it applies to so many areas. And, and, and so Peter's trying to say, no, no, no. And look at this, John 13, verse 7. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. You don't understand right now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Now, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus did and said to the disciples, a lot of scenarios he put them in that they just didn't get at the time. But it all made sense later on. 
And I can say that the same thing has been true in my life. I, you know, I have followed the good shepherd. I have trusted in the Lord with all my heart. I've, I followed his ways. Uh, you know, David said in Psalm 119 that your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. I, you know, I've tried my best to follow him. And there's, I'll be honest, there's been some times I'm following the Lord and I get myself in a situation like I'm pretty sure I heard you on this, but I don't understand What's going on right now? Why, why did you lead me here and now there's just this period of waiting or, or, or why are things going this way? And, and I believe that Jesus would say to us sometimes, even right now in 2023, you don't understand right now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Now, has there ever been something in your life where at the time, you were like, okay, Lord, I'm listening, but I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, I don't know why you're saying this. And at the time, you didn't get it. But later on down the road, you're like, oh, now I get why you were saying that. Sometimes he was saying, just be patient. Why? Because he had something even better for you than what you thought you wanted uh, at that time. Or or maybe there's just some other thing where, where you were going to hurt yourself, whatever the case is. You know, I'm not going to go through a million scenarios here. But I'm just telling you that as you follow Jesus, there's going to be some times that uh, you're gonna, you may be saying, why? And he's saying, just try. Trust me, okay? You don't understand what I'm right now, what I'm doing, but you will someday. And praise God, someday comes if we don't grow weary in well-doing. And we can get to that point and say, ah, now I get it. And I am glad that I was just patient and didn't run off doing my own thing right there. Amen. I want to show you one more place tonight. James chapter 1. We are talking about patience. James chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 2 through 4 in the New King James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Who's excited about patience? Woo. Who wants to develop their patience? Yeah, all right. You know how you develop patience? You get put in frustrating situations. <laughs> Amen. James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4. Love this. It says, My brethren, my sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Wait, I thought that was when we were supposed to complain and throw a fit and give up and blow everything up. No, 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 no. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, why? Well, here it is. Knowing, okay, that the testing of your faith produces what? I'm going to hold on. I forgive you. I'm a very patient man. We're going to try that again. Redeem yourself, okay? So, uh, what what does the testing of your faith produce? Patience. Patience. Amen. And so, well, what's so good about patience? We'll look at verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be 
perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now this word perfect, yeah, again, that it's not talking about literal perfection where you're just a flawless individual, but it is speaking of maturity, fully growing in the Lord. And so as we let patience work in our lives, amen, we are maturing and, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And so listen, sometimes we get instant answers and miracles. And that's what every one of us would prefer. And sometimes we stand in faith for a little while before we see the breakthrough, the miracle, the answer, whatever it is. But during this process, if it's not an instant miracle or or whatever, during this process, your patience is being developed. And I'm going to tell you one of the good things uh, that I've noticed about not always getting an instant answer. And you can agree with me or not agree with me on this, and that's you know, that's fine. I seriously don't mind getting to heaven for Jesus to tell you you were wrong. So, but what I'm saying... That's a joke. My Bible college teachers used to say that. But, uh, no, but, but, but one of the things that's good about not always just instantly getting it instantly is sometimes during that process in my life, it's pushed me to the Word of God where I've actually had to dig in here and learn some more Bible for myself. Because let's just be real, I was pretty spoiled growing up with my dad being a faith preacher, and it was just, you know, hey, well, have dad pray. <laughs> Duh, let's go. You know, or, or dad, what's the, give me a verse on this. And this is before Google. Okay. So, you know, all right. Now you're like, well, I just Google it. Well, I went to my dad. So there, but at the same time, listen, that's kind of spoiled a little bit. Well, at least in my life, you know, there's been times where I just didn't get it instantly. What I have to do, I had to go to the word of God, learn some Bible for myself. I had to learn how to actually pray. I've had to learn how to stand in faith and fight the good fight of faith during some of these waiting periods. And I've also noticed, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, that uh, I've noticed a lot of times that new believers, okay, new believers, brand new baby Christians, a lot of times they'll come up here for prayer and, you know, the elders and the pastoral staff could, would agree with me on this. It's crazy. I mean, some of have somebody that got saved like last week come up with a massive prayer request and they like get instantly healed. It's crazy. And, and little kids all the time. And, and it's just wild. And, and I mean, I've seen new believers just have these instantaneous miracles. And, and what is that? Well, a lot of times it's a gift of the spirit uh, that is in operation, or maybe sometimes it's because they're just relying on the, the minister's faith or somebody else's faith because they haven't had time to develop it. Right. And, and so sometimes, you know, a brand new believer, a baby Christian, a lot of times they do get some instantaneous stuff because if we say, well, all right, you've been saved for two days now. What verses are you standing on? Well, even if they gave you a verse, could you give me a breakdown of what that actually means in the original Greek? And blah, 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 blah. That, well, no, I, I don't know any of that stuff. Sorry, you can't, you can't get an answer. You know, that wouldn't be right. But, I have seen many times that as somebody begins to grow and mature in the Lord, sometimes we get instant stuff, praise God, love it, but there's also times where as I'm growing, the Lord does expect me to quit just piggybacking off of pastor's faith and go to the word for myself. 
and start learning the Bible myself. And I'll just say, oh, I, I got this. I'll just do a, a drive-by church, give my nod to God, get the pastor to throw a little boop blessing, and I'm good. No, listen, there comes a point in time that as you're growing in the Lord, sometimes God kind of does you a favor by not just instantly doing it. I don't, you know, maybe you get that, maybe you don't, but sometimes when we've got to learn some word for ourselves, we begin to develop our own faith. And according to Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't even please God if you don't have faith. And so no doubt about it. Sometimes we get instant miraculous things and I love it. It happens to me sometimes, but as I've gotten a little bit older, there's also been a lot of times where I've had to dig into the word and stand my ground against the enemy and fight the good fight of faith and dig in and and be hardcore about this thing. And here's the deal. God always wants me healed. God always wants the best for my life. God always wants the the prayer to be answered. He always wants it if it's a godly prayer. He always wants good, 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 good for us. And sometimes he's so loving that he knows the best thing for me would be to stand my ground, develop my faith, and be a stronger Christian than that. And I've also noticed that when I have stood my ground and fought for the victory, when I've dug in and stood with it and fought, I'm just speaking for me. Some of these hard-fought victories, I have appreciated them a whole lot more than the instant handout. And it's made me a more thankful person. Because again, I said it earlier in regards to being patient with yourself and with others. And I believe the same thing can develop spiritually. Where if somebody that just instantly gets handouts all the time, they don't appreciate anything. This is a fact of the matter. It's proven time and time again. And it's not saying that we are working for, you know, our salvation. We are working for blessings. It's not about works. We know that the grace of God, amen. But it is about developing our faith and growing in the Lord. And when I've had to stand for it, when I've had to learn some word, when I've had to fight the good fight, and then the victory comes, I drop to my knees and say, thank you, Jesus, for this victory. You are so good. And it's developed my patience. It's developed my faith. And I am a stronger Christian for it. And then I can help other people out too. So I'm just telling you like that patience, it's an often overlooked fruit of the spirit and character trait for your life, but it, it it plays into your faith. It plays into your love. It plays into so many different areas of your life. So choose to be a person of love, joy, peace, and most definitely a person of patience. Amen. Does that make sense tonight? All right. Well, we better end it right there, everybody. Amen. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, we'll go ahead and, and wind things down tonight. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is so good to us.
Well, we're going to take a few minutes as we close things out here tonight. Uh, if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we would absolutely love to be in agreement with you and uh, and see the Lord work in your life and, and see the answers come to you. Uh, but also, it's a great time to, if you just need to talk to God right where you're at right there, man, do that. Uh, we're going to have Pastor Josh lead us in worship. So if you need prayer, come on up. And I keep saying it. If you don't need prayer, good for you. Worship God and pray for those that do. Amen. Let's go. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame Holy trust in Jesus' name and Christ alone A cornerstone Weak made strong In the Savior's love Through the storm He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil My anchor holds within the veil
Christ alone, a cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, a cornerstone, a weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When He shall come with trumpet sound, in His righteousness alone I faultless stand before the throne Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, a cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. things out tonight. Amen. Did anybody receive from the word of God this evening? Amen. All right. Who wants patience and they want it now? (laughs) All right. All right. Well, easy, easy. All right. We're going to close out in prayer. Yes. Thank you, Robert. Um, so, uh, the barbecue is Sunday night and, uh, barbecue slash birthday party slash snow cone fest. Thanks to Billy. Amen. It's going to be great. Woo. And, uh, um, brother Robert, uh, what did you say? He got you. Okay, he needs some uh, help uh, loading in some tables. Okay, his truck's already right there with the tables, so we need a few good men to bring some tables in, all right? And uh, and, he, and he may be doing a little setup on Saturday, he said, so talk to him about that. He can maybe use a little help with that, amen? All right, so who's going to be here Sunday night for this barbecue, man? You, you don't want to miss this.
dress nice and cool, uh, you know, shorts and t-shirts or whatever. And uh, it's going to be a little warm that day, but it's going to be awesome in here. Amen. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, we know that patience is definitely a fruit of the spirit. And it is proof to the world around us that we belong to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we're developing this and we know that it'll affect so many different areas of our lives, Lord. It's awesome. Thank you for allowing us uh, to partake in patience. Lord, use us the rest of this week uh, to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And we know that Sunday morning, Sunday night, it's going to be an awesome weekend being together with the family all over again. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? And all right, let's speak some faith over Barstow. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.